we need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're going to have some real healing, we've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. On Buffalo What's Next, we're going to talk once again about no new jail for Erie County. You may have heard, of course, uh, a proposal that there's uh, a plan or I guess a, a starts of a plan to perhaps build a $250 million jail in downtown Buffalo. A recent event over at the Meriwether Library, based on the people that I heard from that particular night, there's probably 200 people in place, most of them. Almost all of them said they don't want a new jail. One of them is with me this morning, and that is Monica Lynch. Monica, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Monica, as a matter of fact, you greeted me when I came into the Meriwether Library, and you handed me a sheet yes. with names on it. Those names are people who lost their lives at the Holding Center. The Holding Center and Erie County Correctional. And among those names, this is what really caught me, one of them was your brother. Yes, Connell Burrell. 2019. What happened to Connell? He was sentenced to 15 days from the judge at the county court. Well, yeah, not county court, city court. Okay. And I think the problem is the judges haven't been over there in the jail to see what kind of condition or anything that they putting these prisoners through. So... As he went in and they did the observation and everything, they saw that his sugar was a little high. Was he diabetic? Yes, he was. And so they, according to their standards, they're supposed to monitor him, you know, maybe every 15, 20 minutes to see how it's going to go. And if they didn't have it under control, they was going to send him out to a hospital. That didn't occur until he was unresponsive. So... I just want to have a big eye-opener because nobody expects to go anywhere and die within 12 hours. That's one. But if you're not going to do your job, like you have bylaws and different things, if you're not going to do what the guidelines tell you, then it should be not just a slap on the wrist or, I'm sorry, what happened. No, somebody should be accountable. And to this day, it's almost four years later, nobody has taken accountability. There's been no official report to you about what occurred or who didn't do what? There's been nothing like that? Not exactly, because I asked within two days for a report. They told me, okay, go on and file your Freedoms Act because you can get one. Sure enough... They blocked that, and they didn't come out with the report. We went, and we uh, hired a lawyer for his son. He had one son. So in doing that, he did the Freedom Act so he can get his copies of stuff. We didn't get the, what you call it, the paperwork, the forensic stuff, the stuff from the morgue, 
or even the video coverage until a year later. Mm. So I had to do my own research and start going to ECMC and asking for paper trails to say, okay, if they come back and they try to say, oh, well, he died because he was on this, or he died because he was a known diabetic and just didn't control it, or he did this, he did it, putting it all on him. And he took care of his diabetes? Oh, yeah. Okay. He, he was not a new diabetic, but right. he still only had it a couple of years. Okay. And everything was maintained. Right. But when they're, like, first initially getting, um, not diagnosed, but going through the um, the jail intake. Yes. When they're doing all of these different tests and asking them questions, they still supposed to have something, a protocol about monitoring. Now, they ended up putting my brother in regular lockup. That was one thing I thought was wrong. If you're supposed to be monitoring him, then do it. Don't assume by tomorrow his sugar going to be okay. And if it's not, we'll look at him again. So that was the one mistake, assuming. Now, he, from the videotapes, he had a box lunch, which was a sandwich, maybe a milk, and I don't even know if it was a fruit or something. But out of that, I saw another prisoner kind of, pick over or eat the um, sandwich. He took maybe one slice of meat off of it. Hmm. He didn't drink the milk or anything. So, <clears throat> excuse me. If you're not monitoring somebody, how do you know what his intake is? How do you know if his sugar going to go up, down, or anything? Because you didn't do anything. So that's when I came up with, you just don't care. Right. And then it was another inmate that had died seven days before him. So I'm like, if I was the sheriff or even the deputy, you know, superintendent, anything, I'm going to make sure that everybody that comes through here has, a, um, you know, thumbs up, green. They're getting the proper care because I don't want nothing else to fall on me. But if you got two people that die within a seven-day time period, what are you telling the community? What are you telling even your deputies, um, you know, anybody? You're saying this is okay. Because later on that year, Sheriff Howard, he spoke out October 31st on uh, Halloween. And he leads the legislative meeting. And he says, well, I don't even really see a problem. Two deaths a year, there's no no issue or anything in that. People should be happy. There's only two. And so I'm looking at the public, and I'm like, everything's starting to go on, Black Lives Matter and all this other stuff, but they really not listening to what's being said. He's saying... Only two. Only two, yeah. This is not no country club. When you get in here, you don't know what can happen, whatever, whatever. So that made me even really strive and go to other meetings, other organizations, different things to see what is really going out here in the world. And we should point out that if you go by the uh, holding center on Wednesdays in the afternoon, you're going to see Monica out there, aren't you? Oh, yeah. From 3 to 5, I try to be there. Sometimes it's not all the way to 5 because I may have a senior person with me and I don't, you know, hold no 78 or older person to be out there too long they get cold quicker their legs and everything else is not as swift so 
Anything is appreciated. And that's what I always told the people. If you come 15 minutes, if you come an hour, it's just appreciated. Because that means that we're standing up for all the people. They can't talk or do anything else. And that was my point with the jail. He's a diabetic. If he was at home, he can walk to his refrigerator. He can get a piece of candy. He can do whatever he want to do. But he's there under y'all control. Relying on other people. Yes. And y'all dropped the ball. Um, you are out at the the jail every uh, Wednesday. Who do you do it for? I mean, because uh, at this stage of the game, do you feel like you're getting any kind of real official response? Well, it's up and down. It's in the air. Okay. I feel that. So you feel encouraged. I do. Okay. I really do. Because everybody is starting to see that there's an issue with the jails. There's definitely an issue. Everybody is starting to just take notice. Is it the sheriff? Is it the new sheriff? Is it just the facility? They starting to doubt and ask questions. So that's one thing to get that arousal. So it's a positive. Yes. Okay. And then I have um, twin sons that both have been in there over the last like year and a half for their mental stability. That's Bernard and Eric. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then listening to them on their phone calls and um, just living through like a nightmare because when my brother was there for the 12 hours, my son Eric also was there. Mm. And I didn't know this really until a year later. Because my mind just wasn't right. I knew Eric was inside, but I just didn't put it together that they were right there together for that 12 hours. You can see them both in the video and my brother talking to him. And, you know, he asking him, you know, what you doing here and all that kind of stuff getting on. And like, you ain't got no business being up in here and so forth. And Eric was only there, I think, anyway, because of order of um, protection violation or something. But he ended up staying there 20 days. And at the time, like a week later, Eric was telling me, my your brother said something. And I wasn't even thinking because we were planning a funeral and going. I'm like, what are you talking about? I ain't got no other brother. <laughs> you no. know, I wasn't even right. there. But they were there together. And it just... It touches you because when Eric was released those 20 days later, I had just buried my brother. I'm coming outside the holding center to protest, but I definitely don't want to step foot inside. But they released Eric with just his clothes, shorts, and a T-shirt and some sweat socks. And I'm like... No shoes? No shoes. Eric calling me from Niagara Street to my mind, can you come get me? I go get him. I see him with sweat socks on. I'm like, are you kidding me? Who the F would do this to anybody, any person? What do they mean by this? So immediately I put him in the car, go right back to the holding center. I said, no. He just released like 30 minutes ago. Ain't no way you're going to tell me you destroyed or put his stuff in the garbage or whatever already. When somebody's released from court and you know they have a mental illness, you still supposed to take charge and do the things that you should do. File a procedure. He didn't know. He said, y'all said he released. He's gone. So you, but you know he uh, had no shoes. So I'm, uh, I apologize. So Eric, you say he has, has a, 
a mental illness. So that's something they knew about when they took him. And what would, if you could tell me, I mean, you don't have to go into yeah. huge detail if you don't want to, but um, tell me about Eric. Well, he has several different diagnoses. They have fetal alcoholism, mild MR, psychosis, and intermediate explosive disorder. And the strangest thing is, even though that happened almost four years ago, when Eric was in trouble just a year and a half ago, they still haven't looked into what those disorders mean. How do they, you know, coexist together or don't at all, how they feed off each other. So when he's in a court or anything else, instead of the Office of People with Disabilities, Developmental Disabilities stepping in, OPWDD, they leave it to the courts to assign just a um, a regular legal aid person, which they don't have any idea about mental health. Mm. In this society right here, Buffalo, Hamburg, all of Western New York, there's not really one lawyer for mental health. Mm. That's why when you see or hear that there's so many people out here with mental health, yeah, they all end up in jail because they don't have people really representing them the right way, getting them the proper help. We're talking with Monica Lynch this morning. We're talking jail issues. Uh, of course, the uh, there's been a proposal about putting together, a, uh, putting up a new Erie County Jail in uh, downtown Buffalo. There's also been a community backlash regarding it. We should also mention, if I'm not mistaken, that both Bernard and Eric, they're twins. Yes. Adopted. Yes. Yes. What uh, prompted you to adopt uh, Eric and uh, Bernard? Well, I'm a disabled veteran from the Marine Corps. And when I came out within a year, I had cancer, soft tissue sarcoma. So my left arm has different limitations, very little. And I was young. I was only like... 24, 25 years old, and I couldn't picture myself just sitting in the house the rest of my life or being a greeter at Walmart because that's the only job. People oh, well, you could do that. I'm like, are you serious? No. I got to be I got rid of those something. jobs now, too. So. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what I was going to end up doing, but then it's another story. <laughs> yeah, but I couldn't picture it. No, nah, it's something else out here, a better purpose. So I looked in the phone book. And I came up with foster care and stuff. And um, I asked them, you know, what was the qualifications, different things. I said, oh, well, I got a lot of love. So, yeah, I can help out. Yeah, sure. I think one of the nurses, and you, she was and doubting. you said that they had fetal alcohol? Yes. So you knew that? Oh, yeah, right from the beginning. When you took them in your home? Yeah. I knew they had that. I knew their pigmentation was going to be light. And, um, you know, people kept saying, Oh, what are you doing with them at first? You know, make a couple people because they just didn't understand. If you have love, it doesn't matter the color or something to somebody's skin. It didn't matter about the disability. But they feared if they was like that and they were little that they just had to be crack babies. I'm like, no, they're not crack babies. Mm. But I'm not going to tell you, yeah, they do have other issues. Right. You know, and it was the fetal alcoholism. But if you try to explain that to elderly or middle-aged um, African-American people, it's no difference. If they, um, fetal alcoholism, if it's crack, if it's marijuana, if it's anything, it's all the same to them. Hmm. They are defected. They are... Um, you damage, you know, they just like crackhead babies. 
And so I didn't even start battling right. that because so, I didn't need their support anyway. I just knew that I was going to love them and they were going to just be mine, period. So you went from a foster parent to an adopted? Yeah, within two years. Well, it took one year, actually. When they turned one years old, I was down at Erie County, and I adopted all three of the boys. Wow. Yep. How was life with three boys then, those those young boys? How was that? It was wonderful, actually. Yeah. How, how old are uh, Eric and Bernard now? They're 25. They're going to be 26 next month. Oh, June. June, June uh, 17th. Yep. Very nice. And Bernard actually has to appear back in court June 12th. And Bernard is currently in the holding center? Yes, he's been there since last July. What kind of legal re representation does he have? He has legal aid. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah, I tried to look around for different lawyers that deal with mental health, and there's really none in the western New York area. They are going to say, well, I don't know much about mental health. No, I don't practice that. No, no, no. So it's like, so where do you go? When we hear about all these different mental health cases, this is why most of them are ending up in the holding center or the hospital, and then they're kicking them out within a day or a couple hours. So where else are they going to go? Monica Lynch is our guest here on Buffalo What's Next for a few more minutes, and appreciate you sharing about uh, Bernard and, and Eric and their, their, their stories as well. Back to the jail and the possibility of a new jail. You bring up a, a really good point. We hear the stories about the conditions at the current holding center, and that the facility is old, it's got all sorts of physical issues. But your concern isn't so much what goes on with the building physically. You have a, a greater concern about whether it's that building or another building. Explain yes. that. Well, first of all, everybody's been talking about the deplorable conditions of the jail. And maybe both, but mainly the holding center. But the holding center has been that way over the last three decades. So why all of a sudden you think putting everything into a new building, shiny, is going to change what's going on inside when you still don't respect or have programs for the people? Now, back 20-something years ago, 26 years ago, there was Deputy... Um, Commissioner Reverend Pierce out at the correctional facility. They had things running pretty smooth. That building was nice, shiny, new. They had programs where people can get um, certificates or some kind of recognition, and that was given job training. So once they got out of there, they would have a better opportunity to take care of their families and maybe a chance that they wouldn't turn around and come back in there. Now, all the programs have um, been cut. But each year, the sheriff is asking for more money to maintain the jail when less people are inside the jail. So I'm like, where's the money going to? Are you just paying overtime to deputies? Are you, you know, just buying a new um, play toys to be inside the prison or what? Because... Nothing has changed. It should have been changed for the better because you have less people. And the couple million that you're getting every year, you could have been fixing those sockets and different things and having things in place. From what I'm hearing, when they go on wreck at the holding center, they're going on like the roof. What, there's nothing up there. But you got a couple pull-up bars. 
There's nothing there. Now, I understand people say, well, you don't post to give them everything. It's not a hotel and stuff like Sheriff Howard said. But if you change the conditioning around people, then they will adapt and maybe they wouldn't be treated and acting like animals so such as you're saying because they wouldn't have that frame of mind. They, The sheriff said uh, three weeks ago, Garcia, he said, most people come in here, 75 to 80% can't read and write good. Okay, why don't you have some tutoring programs in place so that they can be able to read and write either halfway or by the time they get out of here fully, you know, at least they would feel a lot better for themselves. They can read to their kids. They can have some other home programs and stuff to just get them back into society, get them prepared for a job interview. And Monica, uh, the final question, because we brought you in to talk about the, the jail, and I think you've done a, a real good job of giving some real firsthand personal experience with this. What do you want, people who are listening to us, what do you want from them in terms of the jail? What What is the call to action for the community when it comes to the possibility of a new jail or the current facilities? Well, for one, <clears throat> as you mentioned, we started out at the Meriwether Library beginning of the month, May the 11th. We all need to come together so that we can hear what the conditions are, the feasibility studies, what's going on, what's not going on, how it can be a success. We have to give our input, just like with voting, because if you don't come out and you don't be seen or heard, then the people feel that you don't care, and why should they change anything? They're just going to walk over us, and that's that. So if you come out and you learn and you study and you vote and you just take part in your community, make it a better place. We got so much that we can do if we all come together and just try to put our reinforcements and our mouth to action. Well stated. Monica Lynch, thanks very much for joining us in Buffalo. What's next? We have to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Buffalo. What's next? on WBFO. Buffalo is home to many historical treasures, including architectural gems. Central Terminal affected everybody. Everybody from the common man to the movie star walked this concourse. Beloved community establishments. They might get a glimpse to see Lena Horne. Uh, they might uh, see Dizzy or Miles Davis, uh, you know, Charlie Parker. And homes for local sports teams. When we talk about an institution, Memorial Auditorium was an institution. The WNED PBS original production, Remembering Western New York, explores some of these iconic structures and their connection to people who live in the region. There was a time when Buffalo's Main Street was the focus of holiday shopping in Western New York. Watch Remembering Western New York now on YouTube. Check out the Our Town series produced by WNED PBS, but captured by community members on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel. Ellicottville is a town of variety, not only in what they have to offer, but the people. The Burlington community is uh, becoming increasingly multicultural, and the library is reflecting that. Parks and playgrounds have been what makes the town of Tonawanda a great place to grow up. The series began in 2003, but it's making its debut on YouTube now. Although some of the businesses and people may have changed over the years, the spirit of these wonderful towns remain the same. 
We just didn't realize what we had in our own backyard. We need the next generation to protect it and carry on. Learn about Jamestown, Burlington, Welland, East Aurora, and more than a dozen other beautiful communities in our region by watching the Our Town series now on YouTube. I, w I would live there. <laughs> this is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm here with Dan White and Osman DeSabwa co-owners of Healing Grounds Cafe and Sanctuary, located on Grant Street on Buffalo's west side. Thank you both for being here. Hey, how are you? Yeah, thanks, Thomas. Thank thanks for having us. Yeah. So a few starts and stops with this venture, um, but you've had some recent good news. Uh, what happened last Thursday? So last Thursday we had our, our soft opening. Uh, we've been building this project for the past year, and uh, yeah, finally... Got the go-ahead from the health department and all our, our licenses from the city, and uh, we're able to open our doors and start serving the public. So it felt really good to finally get to that point. I think people in the neighborhood finally remember Sweetness 7, and that's the space Healing Grounds uh, resides in now. Do you feel like you're bringing the old vibe back that Sweetness had, or are you going, going about it differently? Uh, I think we're going about it a little differently. We're bringing in a different community, and we're bringing in a different group of people. Uh, we're also, you know, uniting everybody that's in the area, trying to uh, make something that's uh, some something similar to what Sweetness 7 had, but it's going to be more inclusive and more geared towards health and mind and body. Yeah. What, what in, by different community, what do you mean by that? Yeah, um, so we have uh, groups from Cafe Aroma, which is another cafe up the street, and uh, there are people that are interested in what we're creating down here, so they're looking to support us in any way they can. Uh, they've been helping us with moving bricks outside of the building that we've been cleaning up, and there's a lot of community that's being uh, brought together along with this. Yeah, you you talked both talked about there a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that, that went into this project. So I've read Healing Grounds being called a, a worker cooperative that bucks the hierarchical uh, nature of the played out corporate work, workplace. Is that the idea you're going for? And what does that mean? Um, we don't often think of cafes as a, as a corporate workplace in any way. Yeah. Um, so we are a worker cooperative, which um, is gives an opportunity for not only um, myself and Osmond um, to be owners of this business, but it gives our uh, the people that work for us, our employees, a path to worker ownership. So, you know, your typical job, like if you're an employee, you're never gonna be own, you're never gonna own it unless you, you know, and even if you become the CEO, that doesn't necessarily mean you own it. So this really gives an opportunity for people to take power back over their labor and, and feel valued in the workplace and, um, you know, you don't necessarily think of cafes as a, a corporate place, but you know Starbucks is probably like the most corporate 
cafe, you know, or more so a coffee shop than you can think of. But yeah, when I go to a Starbucks, which I don't, <laughs> um, but anytime I've been in a Starbucks, it's a very like cold feeling environment. Everyone's in their own worlds, like not talking to each other, which which is fine. And sometimes cafes are good places to, to go do your work and you know like be in your own space. But mm-hmm. um, also, what we're you know offering and, and creating and cultivating is people to be able to connect with each other. You know, we have big community tables that people can sit next to each other and and share ideas so like what Osman was saying we do have some of the some same things that you know sweetness was about which you know was about health and community but it's kind of bringing a bunch of different communities together the community that Osman and others had cultivated at Cafe Aroma and all the people that he's met along the way and all the people that I've met along the way that are coming into the space to support us and and all the neighborhood people and, and all the people that did go to Sweetness and, and supported that space and that it meant a lot to them are, are also coming back into the space and just happy that, you know, there's another cafe. And, and I already see, you know, and within a week that we open, there's already regulars, you know, and, like, people coming in every day. So we're just grateful for the support of, of all those people. And let's get into, like, health. I mean, community obviously is, like, the thread of what you guys do um but with the the sanctuary that is that the same space as where healing grounds is is it is it the same space so there's two addresses there's a 220 grant street which is um the cafe and that's on the corner of grant and lafayette and then there's 218 which is the storefront uh right right next door to it um this is a small uh storefront community space where we have different events like uh, open mic nights and intuitive paint nights. We also have, you know, healing circles, you know, and men's circles and women's circles and people's circles. And it's also open to other people in the community to be able to rent it, uh, whether for like a working space or to have a workshop or have their own events. So, yeah, so it can be inviting to other people to be able to utilize it. And so it's 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 a community space, yeah, basically. Totally, for sure. Yeah. Is it... Um, how do you get that word out? How do you promote that, hey, we're not just a, a cafe, like we've got all these other things going on? Is it just like the foot traffic that comes in or are you promoting it in different ways? What yeah. does that look like? Uh, we have our social media page. Uh, we have our Instagram page, The Healing Grounds Co-op. You can follow us on there. We have most of our flyers and our um, live events that are coming up and reoccurring events posting on there. Uh, we have a lot of foot traffic, yeah. Um, the two spaces operate uh, at the same time, basically. So when you want, you can rent it out to be a sanctuary and have it like an office, or you can rent out the cafe or just show up to the cafe and have coffee, you know, or have the sanctuary space this place to do an office job and have coffee delivered into there. So they'll be working in conjunction together. So it's a little something different, but also offers something that uh, the community can get uh, involved in and be reaching into a different space. You know, you get an office space, you got a place where you can do yoga and study. So yeah, they're offering a bunch of different things right now. Seems like it fits in well with the neighborhood, that part of the West Side, the Grant, that Grant Street corridor, mm-hmm. and and you guys both live in that community talk a little bit about that yeah so um <clears throat> I've, i'm originally from long island new york um like north massapequa and i had the opportunity to move to buffalo about nine years ago to 
just get fresh started with more opportunities. It was cheaper living. Long Island was just becoming, you know, overpopulated and, and too expensive to live. And, um, and yeah, I, I just didn't like living there, to be honest. Did you have any contacts here at all? Uh, yeah, I had one, one friend that, that I knew, and he kind of just was like, um, gave me the opportunity to, you know, stay with them and, and get, get a job and just said, uh, there's more opportunity here. And it was just starting to, to grow. Like you, like we were talking about earlier, it was, it was just starting to, to build and gain some momentum. So I gave it a chance and just like left, left everything. And, um, yeah. And then I kind of started, you know, building my life and, uh, settled in on the West side. And, um, about five years ago, I, I bought my first home, um, around the corner from where, uh, you know, Sweetness Seven was, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and then since it closed, it, there's kind of been like a gap in, in that space, and it was kind of like a central part of, of the West Side, and um, yeah, and there's a lot of like people out there that are that are hurting and, and suffering, a lot of people that are you know addicted to drugs and have you know mental health issues and uh, experiencing poverty, um, and it's interesting to you know. Uh, being in like a, a gentrifying neighborhood while also like noticing and witnessing so right. many people being in poverty and being in poverty like myself you know I, I had the opportunity to buy my own home but I've kind of just been like scraping by to make it but I um, decided to invest in myself um, to believe that I can you know didn't have to succumb and just like work for somebody else and and make uh, one person rich while they they didn't value me and wanted, just gave me enough barely to live and uh, I knew I could create something better and not just opportunity for myself but for others to be able to you know gain some some equity and and ownership of things um damn the man (laughs) (laughs) um osman from from our brief brief conversation uh before we went on um you've got a very interesting background yeah talk to Uh, me about it i uh was born in kigali rwanda I, uh, we survived the Rwandan genocide in 94, and I immigrated to America in 2000. Grew up on the west side all my life. Uh, we settled in the Richmond area, and uh, I was able to see what's going on in the community growing up in it. I went to high school nearby. I went to Canisius High, and I was walking distance away. And, uh, yeah, I was just able to see both sides of, like, the rift of what's going on in uh, that central area of Buffalo, and basically just it just encouraged me, like Dan was saying, to kind of like form this area of change or something different where we can uh, gear uh, the progression towards something different and better, right? So yeah, I've always been a big fan of coffee, so I <laughs> yeah, I've always been a big fan of coffee and uh, making drinks. So the cafe has always been some like a dream hobby of mine, kind of like mm-hmm. want to start a business, being a coffee shop or like a little restaurant. So yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand. When I met Dan, things just kind of clicked and just decided to just go for it. Yeah. What were your first impressions of Buffalo? Was it like the first time you had been to the United States? Yes, Buffalo was the first place. Um, that was my first exposure to the United States, and yeah, I liked it. The community was helpful. Um, there was, I grew up and went to school at School Forty Five when when I first landed here, and it was a very uh, culture pot mix of people. So uh, it wasn't too hard to meet people that were like me or from an area near mine, or even spoke the same language. Uh, every day I walk them down Grand Street and I hear people speaking language that I already speak. So was that did that offer you like kind of like a, a certain comfort level? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was very comfortable to make it seem like you know what, you're not so far away from home. 
absolutely. So it was always having like a community nearby that you can always just kind of tap into. So you've been here 23 years. Um, what are your feelings of the city now as compared to when you first moved here? How old were you when you first moved here? I was seven when I first moved here. Okay. Landed in somewhere around September. So, yeah, I was seven years old. Uh, when I first got the impression of Buffalo, it was uh, it was new, of course, and um, my friends were always supportive of me and inclusive of me and making sure that I was uh, feeling welcomed into this country. So I never really grew up with a negative uh, outlook on just being away from home. Yeah, so it was always something that I always had backup in and support. And now the two of you are working together. I mean, who would have thought, you know, someone from Rwanda, someone from Long Island coming together. Talk to me about this partnership. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I met husband uh, some years ago um, at Cafe Roma because, you know, that was a coffee shop that I I like to to frequent. And, yeah, I just loved his energy and, and just noticed that, like, he just had the sense of community that he brought around himself just, like, by working at this coffee shop and and just saw that he was not just working there, he was pretty much running it, like, single-handedly, like, you know, every time yeah. I'd go there, there either would be him, like, working by himself or a bunch of new people that, you know, didn't know how to make my drink. So I was like, oh, I love showing up, seeing Osmond. I knew he was going to make it right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it kind of started um, building this co-op um, with some, some friends um, and then uh, kind of just planted the seed uh, along the way that, to Osman that I, I was doing this thing and, and I just seen his, his value um, and what he held and like the community that he, he created knew he would be a, a great addition so um, he was like yeah just let me know and you know when, when you're ready for me and uh, then he, he joined the team uh, and then from there we kind of just continued to build it and um, you know through other things you know things shifted and changed and people had to you know leave the project to pursue other things but me and Osmond were the ones that were able to you know stick it through and see it through mm-hmm. and yeah. come out the other side and and now we're finally open and it feels really good I Definitely couldn't feels good I wouldn't yeah, rather have I done it with anybody yeah, else I couldn't have done it without him yeah. you see you see it the same way Osmond absolutely yeah um and as we were having the conversation yesterday just kind of um about community and you you said our our commonalities outweigh our differences and is then that's something you're you're trying to i guess promote with healing grounds and the sanctuary absolutely yeah i i want and like a, a mission of ours is to you know bring people together of all like walks and shades of life you know mm-hmm. um and realize that we we do have more in common you know we um, we're all humans, you know, I believe like we're, we're all part of the human race and, um, you know, race has been a thing to like pin us against each other to make us think that, that we're different, um, because of, you know, outside appearances. But really when, when it comes down to it, we all have a heart and, you know, I believe in, in a soul and I feel like we're all connected, you know, and, and we live on this earth, um, that is our home and, uh, yeah. And I think it's important, um, for us to, be able to come together because like when we come together we could build you know so many great things but when we're isolated and apart like you know what through covid and all that it's like mm-hmm. it, it keeps us disconnected and and it's and it's hard you know i feel like community and connection is an essential part of of life and i feel like we all need that and the more 
that we realize we you know we do have more in common uh, than our differences and mm. we'll be able to come up together yeah and this could be like an opportunity to basically um like you were saying earlier like how i was basically welcomed to or oh, well, my experience where when I was welcomed to Amer- to America and Buffalo, uh, yeah, this could be an opportunity for me to basically share the community that I've gathered or cultivated with the rest of the community through Healing Grounds. Yeah. Is that a lot of work? No, Cultiva- really. Cultivating that community? Absolutely not. You're just going out. You're being friends with people. You're meeting people that are very interesting. You work together on certain projects. There's a lot of people that I work with art projects on. Um, installments or even just any ideas of things that I feel that are important to me and these people back me up on and boom you have a community and you've cultivated something yeah are you an artist too I am an artist yeah I draw I sketch I paint I do digital art traditional art uh, I'd like to get into the sculpting <laughs> so that's that's probably one medium I haven't tried but yeah I'm pretty handy with most mediums um one one thing that you know that I haven't got into that, you know, I'm looking at my question list right now. The people want to know what's on the menu. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we got healthy food. Um, everything is going to be basically organic and very healthy. We're going to have, um, root of egg pancakes, French toast, breakfast, uh, breakfast served foods, like wraps, sandwiches, uh, tempeh BLTs. Uh, why don't you name out some of our specialties then? Yeah, yeah. So, like, the whole idea behind the cafe is very, like, holistic uh, approach to things. So, you know, being very intentional of, like, all the ingredients that, that go in everything, down to, like, the spices, you know, being mm-hmm. all organic and, you know, using, like, extra virgin olive oil instead of, like, your typical uh, vegetable oil. Right. And, um, you know, sourcing things, like, locally, you know, from, you know, either local farms or um, trying to keep, you know, the local food chain uh, shortened and supporting, you know, smaller companies. Um, but, yeah, like, our breakfast sandwiches are definitely, like, a signature. I, I I know from Long Island, you know, coming from Long Island, it's like, that was my thing. A, a bacon, egg, and cheese is, like, you know, <laughs> everything. When I first came to Buffalo, I was on the hunt, and I was searching, and, I, and, and you know, couldn't find the one that was... You know, it for me. So I was like, I just gotta open my own place in. Yeah. So, but it's got a, <laughs> a different twist on it. Um, so we're sourcing all our bread from uh, Bread Hive, which is another uh, worker cooperative. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we're, yeah, two fried eggs with some uh, kale that's like marinated in some olive oil and salt and pepper, uh, some tomato, mm-hmm. uh, some raw cheddar cheese, and then uh, we've been making some uh, our signature. Um, tempeh bacon which uh is from um fermented mung beans and then we uh sauteed in um some liquid aminos and coconut uh, amino acids and okay it gives us this very like savory flavor that's like um close to bacon but it's it's a lot healthier for you it's good probiotic good for your um your gut health and okay um yeah so it's our little twist on like uh the breakfast sandwich and um but yeah like you were saying um Ayurvedic pancakes, which is another like healthy twist. You know, Ayurveda is a uh, ancient Indian medicine, um, which is also like holistic and um, deals with a lot of like um, different herbs, medicinal herbs and, and spices that are you know healing to the body. So there's a lot of that infused in, in what we're offering. So it, um, the batter is made from oats instead of uh, flour, so it's gluten free. Um, and then, yeah, just a lot of like intentional greens, cinnamon and cardamom and ginger and, and dates and uh, different things. And uh, 
Yeah, all sorts of lunch items and, and uh, paninis, chicken pesto paninis mm-hmm. and black bean burgers and uh, yeah, yeah, that's very healthy, <laughs> very healthy. Um, what what were your what are what's going to be your hours of operation once you've you had the grand opening? Yeah, so um, we're looking to expand, but right now we're uh, Thursdays through Sundays, eight to five, at the corner of Healing Grounds. Yeah, and then the grand opening. Saturday, July 1st, um, anything, I mean, obviously it's a grand opening, mm-hmm. but is it, is there anything like special that's, that's, that you got going on? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a special all day event. Um, we'll be open initially, um, from like eight to 12, just our like normal hours to serve breakfast. And then, uh, from 12 on into, into the night where we'll have people performing throughout the day, different like, um, local performers, um, um, playing inside music. the cafe or at the sanctuary uh, at the sanctuary and but like we'll be utilizing both spaces for you know, okay. like, um, people to be able to you know get some food and some drinks and um, it'll be art and yeah just a lot of local artists and people come together and so it'll, it'll be a big event it'll be lots of fun and uh, yeah we're, we're excited for it me too yeah and the feedback from the community all positive yeah so far it's been incredible you know yeah. he- hearing anyone say like this is the best omelet I ever had or the best coffee oh, yeah. I ever had or the, you know and just like being like oh I'm gonna be coming here every day just like and to see my my friends and, and you know the people that work uh, with us their their families and uh, coming in the space and just like it just like fills my soul and, and yeah I'm just happy to finally yeah. be in this part of like being open to the public and serving up some good food and medicine where do you see healing grounds in the sanctuary in five years 10 years 20 years uh, i can see it as being like the central hub of where the go-to like coffee spot to go and like conversate with friends and hang out or even like something more serious you want like uh something secluded in an office area where you can just go and focus and we can just transform it into that or even have it be like, oh, this is my yoga, my yoga studio. I'm gonna go and practice some yoga, go meditate, or even uh, go see my uh, weekly, bi-weekly open mic nights. You know, so it, it, I see it being like a lot of things that fosters to the community and um, and the and the the flexibility of the space being able to be rented out to mm-hmm. uh, anything that the community basically asks for is something that is gonna be a a strength for us basically yeah and dan yeah i'm definitely ambitious and and a big dreamer but you know i like to just dream bigger than however big i think i can dream but um yeah i would like to potentially own you know the building that that uh, the cafe is in and and just have that be like a cooperative space in general and uh, i feel like the cooperative movement is building a lot of momentum in buffalo and just started with you know one uh, some years ago and uh, thanks to Cooperation Buffalo, uh, which is one of our partners that has been helping us to uh, make this possible, and they're like an incubator for for co-ops, and uh, and it it just builds a little community amongst us too. Like like you said, we're working with Bread Hive and you know Extra Extra Pizza, and you know a lot of different um, cooperatives that are coming up. But um, yeah, and I also see us potentially having some some more uh, spaces, some more healing grounds, cafes popping up throughout the city. And uh, and would eventually like love to get some lands, you know, collectively and and have our own mm-hmm. farm and really be like a full like farm to table, you know, restaurant and yep. and show that like 
we can support and sustain ourselves because like sustainability is uh is one of our, our our main things and how you know so we're making sure to compost you know um working with farmer pirates um compost which is another um they're turning into a worker cooperative too and they you know give you a bin and you just throw your your food scraps in there instead of into the garbage and and then they take it and turn it into um compost and good soil and it goes back to the earth instead of the, these trash piles and it's just kind of creating that that closed loop ecosystem what's the co- cooperative movement like now in buffalo as compared to maybe five years ago um, I think it's it's growing and, and building a lot of momentum and uh, large in part, like I said, to, to Cooperation Buffalo. So I think there's only like one or, or two maybe um, five years ago. Uh, and now there's about like seven or so on the horizon and, and more building and a lot of um, businesses interested in like transitioning into cooperatives. So it's, it's yeah, it's coming together and it's starting to burgeon. And um, yeah, we're here to support all that and, you know, local small business too, so... Yeah, working together, creating a movement of co-ops working together. Yeah. <laughs> what was um, and you both went through, uh, movement Buffalo, or cooperation Buffalo. Cooperation Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Oh no, you're fine. Um, did you have any like influences the people working there? Anyone you looked up to or got, you know, was there something that like stuck with you that you learned from there? Yeah, yeah, so that's um, Andrew and Mike. Yeah, sure. um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so I'm not sure how many years ago now, like maybe like six or so, I uh, started my first like art business, and um, you're an artist too. I am an artist. Too. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of paintings, like abstract, um, like fluid acrylic type uh, paintings and stuff like that, and um, but. I've done some art festivals, you know, in the past, the Allentown. Um, this is the first year I didn't do it, actually, because mm-hmm. I had this project going right, on. Right, right. Um, uh, I went through the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center at Buff State, and my counselor was uh, this person named Andrew Del Monte, and they helped me to you know, start my first business. And then fast forward, I was, like, you know, wanting to start a cooperative, and um, it just came to me. And then... Uh, Lo and behold, Andrew DeMonte had started Cooperation Buffalo, and uh, so we started working with them. I already had this relationship with them, and yeah, they've been really supportive of us, uh, of us and uh, Michael and Cecilia, also um, part of the Cooperation Buffalo team, have been really supportive of us and helped to make this a, a, a possibility. And um, yeah, and Osman, anything that stuck with you? Any important? Like uh, info that came across your way from from the group. Yeah, um, there's this guy named Mike Zach there. He just started there, but it's been a really big influence on me and how to um, get businesses going and how to communicate through businesses and get lines across. And he's been a really big help. So he's just basically been a strong influence for me to um, really push me and get me going forward. So yeah, shout out to Mike Zach. <laughs> yeah, and the power of connection too, because he's you know like you never know like this person knows this person and they can help you and connect you in that way and like that's what real cooperation and community is about is like us helping each other share yeah. our skills and our knowledge so we can yeah all thrive. It's great with a city like Buffalo because everyone knows each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> it's a good. Yeah, it could be a good thing and a bad thing. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> um, so the last last question, um, and I ask this of uh, every guest, 
Uh, very broad question, but what does Buffalo need? Better coffee. Good coffee, good food. Yeah, and the community. All right, by better coffee, what do you mean? Well, uh, prepared properly, obviously, and um, served properly. It's not just uh, curating beans and saying you're going to toss it into a machine. You're going to make good coffee. You got to have good machine. You got to understand how to work it. You got to understand how to operate. And um, if you're making espresso, the proper temperatures and the proper pressures. And if you're just making drip coffee, you got to have a proper recipe. So, like, a better tasting coffee. <laughs> you know the science exactly. of coffee coming at you right 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 and dan i would say um healing and intention um i think like i was saying earlier like there's a lot of people that are they're hurting and suffering and a lot of what people just need is you know to feel like loved and valued and and cared for and um so and um just being mindful of like where the things that we're putting in and on our body are coming from and um, knowing the sources, you know, and uh, we also serve cacao at the cafe, not, not just coffee, and, uh, <laughs> but our coffee also um, comes, you know, from an intentional place, uh, from Eco Exchange, um, and our cacao comes from Guatemala and it comes from these Mayan uh, women's collectives that have been harvesting these um, cacao trees for, for generations and put, putting a lot of good, like, uh, pure intention and, and love into it and um but yeah I think people, how'd you find out about them um so a friend of mine had uh basically he was um, holding cacao ceremonies during covid during like the lockdown so this time where we're mm -hmm. you know supposed to be isolated from each other uh he was actually like bringing people together through it all and like being safe and cautious you know of course but um and then it, i drank this cacao which is pretty much just chocolate in, in its most pure form and uh i just kind of planted a seed in my mind and like helped me to like get in touch deeper with myself and sent me on this like um, spiritual journey and then I ended up going to Guatemala and connecting with the people down there and, and through Cacao Source and um, the, the women's collectives and yeah it's just like a really beautiful like intentional beverage that it's kind of like coffee in a way it gives you some good energy and, and good feelings but uh, yeah it helps you to like sustain that energy throughout the day and has a lot of health benefits so but yeah, healing and attention, I think, uh, Buffalo and, and, and connection and community is what, what we all need. And uh, yeah. Right on, right on. This is Buffalo What's Next. Thomas O'Neill White here talking community, talking healing, talking some coffee with Healing Grounds Cafe and Sanctuary co-owners Dan White and Osman De Saba. I want to thank you both. For being here with us today thank you gentlemen thanks thomas appreciate you man. appreciate you guys you're listening to wbfo and wbfo hd1 buffalo wolan olean and wubj jamestown your npr station